Hey Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 125. One day I shall come back. Oh dear, we are in trouble, aren't we? I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. I have the advantage of being slightly ahead of you. Sometimes behind you, but normally ahead of you. But the trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. A meteor storm that the sky above us was dancing with lights. Purple, green, brilliant, yellow, yes! And the doctor, by the way, what's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Just remember who's standing in your way. Look at the eyebrows. These are attack eyebrows. You can take bottle tops off with these. Howdy, howdy do, who fans? Hope you've had a cracking week. That you've managed to do something Doctor Who related in your lives. How are you doing, buddy? Doing well. Doing good, thanks. Yeah. I feel like I've woken up in Narnia this morning. It's like <laughs> just a frosty nightmare out there. Yeah. Didn't want to get out of bed. It is cold. cold. It's yeah. cold. It yeah, is cold. But I'm well. I'm good. How have you been? I've been very well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find something doctor who wise to do in your, with your life this week uh, not too much i've managed i've actually watched a ton of doctor who over the Have past you? week yeah oh. so yeah so after um uh because we're reviewing a tenant story this week mm. uh, i shoved the disc in for series two and i just watched it from the beginning so i ended up just watching series two. <laughs> oh, what well a whole lot a whole lot wow yeah Blimey. and that started on sunday <laughs> so it but that that's a typical thing though because when we especially when we're reviewing something of modern who mm. and the episode is 40 minutes long or 45 whatever they are i feel it's not too bad to sort of squeeze yeah. in you know another couple of episodes but yeah you know, i don't mind uh i don't mind series two it's a little bit sort of uh it does go a bit kind of um uh wishy-washy towards the end with the whole mm. rose and the doctor Oh, yes. You know, parting ways and and all that stuff. It does get a bit uh, teeny boppy, romancy stuff. But overall, Mm. it's not too bad. There's some cracking stories in in series two. There is some good stuff in there, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you the one I haven't watched for a long time is the the Cyberman one, actually, that that, that you get a trailer for at the end of... uh, Yep, we're reviewing today because um, they played the trailer for it, and obviously Lumic comes out and all the side men and the air balloons in the sky. And I was thinking, wow, I haven't oh, watched yeah. that one for a long, long time. Hmm. Yeah, that's a two part as well, isn't it? So I believe um, that's Rise of the Cybermen. That's it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, it's not my favourite Cyberman story, but um, it's it's okay. No, okay. I remember being a bit mixed about it at the time, but uh, yeah, obviously we'll we'll get round to reviewing that one at some point. Hmm. Yeah, I'm a little bit jealous you've got to watch so much. So I haven't um, I haven't had chance to watch anything other than the review episode. I really, really want to watch some more Hartnell. Um, after we reviewed Unearthly Child last week, I was hoping I might get to uh, slam a classic in um, to watch uh, in my spare time, but I just haven't had a chance. Uh, unfortunately but yeah. yeah it just got me in the mood that I did watching mm. um 
and as we chatted last week, I felt like going back and watching some more, some more Hartnell. Um, bizarrely, do you know what I was? I was so close to watching. You'll you'll never believe this, but I was listening to a podcast, um, and they were talking about K Nine and Company. I don't know if you <laughs> ever seen K Nine. Yes. And I thought yep. to myself, wow, I remember loving that as a kid. Um, obviously, I'd have been quite young when I went out. Have not watched that for a long time. And they they were sort of talking about it um, in a very, what's the word? Well, they would, you know, they, they, they didn't sort of gloss over its faults. Let's put it that way. But they were also <laughs> saying it's a very charming sort of special in its own way, despite right. all its faults. So it really put me in the mood to watch it. Um, and I, I dug out the DVD box set. I thought, right, that's going on this afternoon. Um, and then, unfortunately, uh, work and general life just got in the way. So I couldn't couldn't actually get to watch it. But that might get a watch mm. later. Um, I do seem to remember when... As I said, I remembered it as a kid, loving it. And I do remember when the DVD coming out, being really excited to see it again. And I do remember that um, the memory had cheated and it was <laughs> pretty bad. I remember thinking, God, this is not how I remember it. It almost shattered my childhood dreams, I think, uh, when I did get around to rewatching it. But yeah, I might give that a watch. Um, but yeah. so this week for me, I haven't really built too much. I, I have finally started reading the Peter Davison biography cool um, which i know you finished a couple of weeks ago i'm mm. finally starting it and absolutely loving that so far really really enjoying it um it's, it's funny because i can sort of hear it as i'm reading it in peter's voice because he's it's very much got his personality in there and the way he's written it if that makes sense I, you probably know what i mean it, the way he sort of is quite sarcastic in tone um the way he's writing it i can just sort of hear him actually saying it uh, like when he's saying, oh, I probably shouldn't have written that down because I won't get the job now. But hey, ho, that sort of thing. I'm thinking, yeah, I can just I can just hear him saying that. So I'm really enjoying what I've read of him so far. Hmm. Um, and I've also been reading the fantastic Doctor Who magazine that came out this month. It is one of the best issues they've done in ages. I mean, it's such a first off, it looks fantastic. Like the, the cover and, and you get this free third Doctor comic mm-hmm. inside. It's actually quite a big comic as well. Um, but the interviews in it are brilliant. I don't know if you've had a chance to read yours yet. I'm not up to the interviews yet. No, I've read through like the new section at the beginning and the Moffat bit and and all that. Because there's a good good piece with um, Mark Gatiss, or Gatiss, you say Gatiss, (laughs) I say Gatiss, um, and Katie Manning, which is really good. But the the one that I really enjoyed, because sometimes, I don't know about you, but when I read an interview in Dr. Mosin, I sometimes sort of skim through bits so if it's a question or a thing that i'm not that interested i'll sort of move on i sort of skim through it get the idea but but there's an interview with terence dicks in there and um i started reading it and i literally read it from start to finish which is quite unusual for me Uh, i just think i've got a very short attention span (laughs) but but i really enjoyed it i and again once again i could hear him saying it as i was reading it because he's very honest in it um, and Benjamin Cook, the guy who's interviewing him, seems to be really good at asking, you know, relatively frank questions, but getting some really good answers. He's 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 a really good interviewer, I think. Benjamin he's very Cook. good. So yeah. you, I think you're going to really enjoy the Terrestics interview. It's it's funny. Um, you just you can tell. You know, he's—I wouldn't say he's on PC, but he's of that time, um, and he just says what he thinks, and he's—you know—talks about the Pertwee era and Barry Letts and all that, um, and it's—it's it's just a really, really great interview with him. Um, so yeah, cracking issue of Doctor Who magazine this week, not just because of the bits you get with it, but the stuff inside is is great. So yeah, that's pretty much taken up my week, really. 
Yeah, sweet. Uh, yeah. That stuff. Yeah. I don't normally pick up Doctor Who magazine anymore. I think the last issue I got was, well, I think it was mid last year. I think it was a, no, no, it was the Paul McGann, you know, when they did that whole big special on the movie. Uh, yeah. I can't remember when yeah. that was. Was it August, July, August, something like that. Um, Didn't you pick up the Baker one? Because the Tom Baker interview was good. I'm pretty sure you got that one. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I think yeah. that was issue 501, wasn't it? The Tom Baker That's special. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That was brilliant. Excuse me. Yeah. So I got that one. And um, but yeah, I don't normally pick it up. Um, but this one, um, yeah, just the the 70s, uh, you know, all the coverage. Of, it's basically a really good classic who mm. uh, pick up. So I've, yeah, I've read the first um, the first. A bunch of stuff, and I've read the comic that comes with it, the old um, Pertwee yeah, comic. Brilliant, that is great. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so yeah, but it's um, I love the cover. I was really disappointed with the um, with the actual cover of the magazine. Oh yeah, because it comes <laughs> in like a poly bag, doesn't it? And it's so yeah. nice that you don't want to open it. I'm like, there's no way to open it without ruining the the bag, is there? Yeah, you know, but you have to do it because I I kept it for ages in my hands, just looking at it, thinking. Right, I'm going to have to take the scissors to this in a minute, but I'll just have another look. I'll just have a, just turn it round because you've got John Pertwee on one side and Tom yeah. Baker on the other. So, yeah, but you eventually you, you have to break into that bag. Um, and the inside covers uh, Mark Gatiss and um, Katie Manning, isn't Katie it? It's Manning. like a new photo mm. with, a, with a sort of pink, no, was it purpley? Pink sort of background, yeah. Is it pink? Is it? Yeah. yeah, it's okay. It's not. It's not a terrible cover or anything. It was, no. but compared to the uh, the image for the wrap, it's yeah, yeah. It's there's no there's no comparison for that really. But it's quite simple. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Mm. But no, it's a cracking issue. You're in for a treat with the interviews. They really are mm. just really interesting stuff. Yeah, cool. The um oh my viewing didn't stop there by the way. Wow, where have you found all this time? Well, that's some downtime, <laughs> haven't I? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I did manage to put a classic on as well. So after listening oh. to Order of the Daleks from Big Finish, I was in a bit oh, of a yes. Colin mood, uh, and I thought, right, let's um, let's do an eeny meeny miny mo for a good uh, mm-hmm. Dalek story. And I thought, well, I want to watch some Colin, so let's whittle it down a little bit more. Right, Revelation of the Daleks. It's got to go on. Ah, oh, brilliant! So I stuck that on, and that was very yeah. enjoyable to rewatch that. Mr. Joe Bell. Mr. Joe Bell. I love Joe Bell. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I had a, a, a ton of modern Who watching, uh, a classic one, finish off of the big finish, and a read through of, uh, or start of a read through from the latest Doxy magazine. So, it has been a fairly decent week. You've done, you've done well. For Who, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's very good. Yes. The only, the only thing lacking <clears> in that whole thing would be not picking up a piece of tat. <laughs> but, uh, there's not much out at the minute so no thankfully for our wallets there isn't much out no we although saying that we've got a few bits in the merch section coming up and we're a couple of little bits although whether we'll be picking them up or not uh we'll get to in a minute but yeah there hasn't there's not a lot else out is there not not really yeah like you say thankfully no. for our wallets there's not a lot kicking about at the minute no i am slightly disappointed <laughs> um because um i was hoping in january that like last year rubber toe did a few discounts in January and I've had my eye on a few pieces for a while now. I was thinking, come on, rubber toe. <laughs> We're in January now. And I keep checking their rub- uh, website and, um, yes, they haven't reduced anything. <laughs> I, I really want the, the closed confession dial and the, um, siege motardis. So I keep checking, <clears throat> excuse me. And they, they, uh, yeah, they're still full price. So oh, that's a big gun. But again, good for the wallet. Very good for the wallet. Very good for the wallet. Um, because as, uh, 
listeners will know, we do have a tendency to pick up stuff quite regularly. And it, and the mm. thing is, it's perfect timing as well, because just getting over the whole Christmas thing where um, yeah. the old uh, bank balance is not looking extremely healthy at the moment mm. until I get paid at the end of January. So it's great that there isn't. I think the only thing I've bought would be just before Christmas, which had been some big finish stuff, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it is good. It's good. Yeah, that's true. I, I must. I've, I've just um, bought just bought one of the big finish titles. Actually, the Star Men. I think it's called. It's, it's a fifth Doctor one. Yeah. The mm. reason I've got it is because it's the new. Sorry, not the new. It's one of my favourite Tardis teams. It's Andrick, Tegan, Nissa, and the fifth Doctor. I thought I've got to get that. I, they haven't done one together for a while. Mm. Um, for big finish. So um, that's just arrived through the post. Funny enough. So maybe I'll get a chance to listen to that later on. And uh, I can tell you if it's any good next week when I've listened to it. But yeah, good to have them back, those guys back together. Yeah, that's on the list to pick up for me. It does sound like a good story. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I had a, a my big finish stuff took a, quite a long time to come through this time. Normally, um, yeah. I think, well, they. This is going back a couple of years now, but they used to be a bit sort of hit and miss with their delivery times. You could never, mm. you could never estimate correctly when stuff would come through. But for the past year and a bit possibly a bit longer they have been very good with their dispatches and deliveries and so on but for some reason i ordered i ordered two together and then an, another story on its own maybe a week and a bit later this again this was before christmas and mm. all three of them turned up together the other day oh right yeah i saw actually yeah i saw your picture because mm. you got saw you got the is that the first torchwood the, is that the first one in the range? Yeah, the conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. I'll be interested to hear what you think of that because um, I, I really want to get that series. Again, money is uh, <laughs> is holding me back, but that's that's a series I really want to get because I hear they're very good. So, yeah, look forward to hearing what you think of that one. Mm, playing catch up with that for sure. It's been out mm. for over a year, I think that one. I uh, know. Well, that's what I was thinking. I think, oh, you know, got a bit of catch up there because you got. Cold Fusion, which is a novel adaption. Yes. Torchwood. And did you get a third? What's the third one you got? That was The Order of the Daleks, the Colin Baker. Oh, The story. Order of the Daleks, yeah, which mm. is really good, isn't it? We yeah, yeah, really, really enjoyed that one. Mm. Old Cole, yeah, old Sixty. And I like them. um I like that in the <laughs> at the end of Big Finish they do these um sort of interviews and behind the scenes now, don't they? The last yeah. couple yeah. of tracks. And it's really funny to hear Colin Baker refer to himself as old Sixty. Yeah. It's so yeah. funny. I, I might he's be wrong, but I think he started that because I love that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool guy. Oh, Cole. Yes. One thing that um, a couple of people have uh, uh, been mentioning to me over the past few weeks now, maybe a couple of months, I would say, is when we've been speaking about spin offs, like um, when we mentioned Torchwood there and Class, have we've, as we've talked about over the last mm. uh, few months. Um, a few people have said to me, why haven't you checked out the Sarah Jane adventures yet? Ah, it seems to, yeah. be, seems to be a regular thing where somebody will pop up on Twitter or Facebook and say, you should watch the Sarah Jane adventures because they're, mm -hmm. they're actually quite good. And I don't own, I've never seen one episode of, uh, of those. And I don't obviously own the DVDs, but mm. um, if enough people can sort of give me um, sort of uh, enough pros, um, I might pick it up and, and get stuck in. I gotta say, I think you'll, I think you'll really like it. Yeah. Um, I've, I've watched probably, oh, I don't know, I did, did miss a few. I've got them all. Um, I, I really liked what I saw. I saw quite a lot of it. There were stories I've missed out. Right. 
But I tell you, there was what I did see. There was some really, really good stuff in there, especially um, from sort of the second series onwards. I mean, there's there's some really good stuff in the first series, but it gets a slightly more adult from series two because obviously the kids in it are growing up a bit. So when you watch series one, they 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 are quite young. Okay. Um, and yeah. then as we get by the time we get to series three um, and and onwards. Um, you know, it, they've they've really sort of bonded, and I tell you, I I really think you'll you'll like it. I would definitely recommend watching it. I would probably just watch it from the start though, because I don't remember seeing anything that I thought was bad. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there are some stories that are better than others, as with anything, but um, but I I yeah, go for it. I I think you'll be quite pleasantly hmm. surprised actually, because it yeah, I'm I, there is some quite I wouldn't say when I say dark stuff, <laughs> dark compared to some of the stuff in series one, if you know what I mean, because it's it's. They've got some very light-hearted episodes, and then there are some that are darker. Hmm. Um, and um, but I, and I think by the time you get to the last series, which I think was series now, five, series five. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to think. Did it is it complete or did they just complete the episode they'd filmed? I can't remember now. Is it a short series? I've forgotten. Ooh. But it's um, it's yeah, it's quite it's quite emotional by the time you get to the last series, because you know it's Sarah Jane's last, and obviously, you know, she passed away um, mm, yeah. after they filmed that. So it's, honestly, I really recommend dipping into it, is what I'm trying to say. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, because um, the brig pops up. Um, the episode <laughs> with Matt Smith um, and Katie Manning, there's an episode with with the, them in it, is really great fun. It's, re- I mean, it's just brilliant to see Sarah Jane, uh, Joe Grant, and, and the Eleventh Doctor in one episode. It's, it's really, really enjoyable. Um, yeah, give it a go. Uh, in fact, it's making me. I, I think I'm going to go back and start watching it from the start as well because it's really good, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's something that um, I've never really said. Oh, that's not for me. I'm mm. Never going to watch that. I've just never, just never really thought about diving into it. But um, it's relatively cheap on Amazon at the moment. Um, you can get the complete one to five box set for 30 quid. So mm. for five series of a show, that's, that's pretty good, I would say. Yeah. So I yeah. might pick that up. And um, yeah, you're right. The um, uh, the fifth series only had three three episodes. Yeah, I had a feeling it was mm. short. Yeah, because uh, I think, I, I can't remember if, if she died, you know, during it, whatever. But I remembered that they didn't complete the whole series or mm. All that, um, and it takes a slightly different direction. Um, series five, we get another character introduced, which obviously they'd plan to carry forward. So you sort of get the feeling that that story uh, did, didn't quite get finished or whatever. But it's, um, yeah, it's still really good. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah. To dip a toe in, mate. I, I really, yeah, I think you'd really like it. Okay, yeah, uh, a very easy watch is what I'm thinking. It'll be something you'll hmm. you'll put on and you'll just a bit like uh, an RTD episode of Who. You know, when you just want something. You know, enjoyable, nothing too taxing on the brain. I think it'll be like that. Okay, cool. Just bung it on and, and drift off for an hour, whatever they were. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. So, um, yeah, listeners, uh, send us over your um, your best moments from Sarah Jane Adventures. Mm. Um, you know, get me in, get me into the Sarah Jane spirit, and I'll uh, I'll pick them up. I've been trying to think of the character. I know one of our listeners' cousins will be shouting at his. <laughs> Uh, listening device right now Um, because there's an episode with um, I think he's called the Nightmare Man um, or something like that and it's played by Julian Bleach who was you know obviously played Mm. Davros in the new series Um, and it's a fantastic episode 
is so good. I haven't watched that for ages, but that's a great episode. Oh, cool. And he and he's great in it. He's re- that's one of that's one of the ones I'm thinking of when I say there's the odd darker episode. Um, right, I remember right. thinking, oh, this is good stuff. Yeah. So I think he's called the Nightmare Man. If he's not, someone will be shouting at the shouting at me right now. But something like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That all sounds great. It does. It does. The old Sarah Jane. Right. We're not going to do any news. Basically, there isn't any because yeah, there's none. No. There's the odd little bit mucking around, but we're not going to talk about class ratings like we did because the next, the recent two episodes that went out have had their ratings release and stuff. But in a nutshell, it's the, the ratings are crap. Yeah, basically. Let's leave it there. Um, so there's not any other news knocking about, really. We've had no announcements from anybody, had no interviews with big cast members or anything. Or I think um, everybody's in Sherlock mode at the moment. Yeah, well, except for you, you don't watch Sherlock, do you? I don't watch it, no. No, I must admit, I was so hyped for this new series. Um, and I was just thinking, I wonder if Gary will just, because there's been quite a lot of, <laughs> um, you know, publicity. I thought, I wonder if Gary will dip a toe in. And then I watched the first episode <laughs> and it was such a mess. It was such a, I was so disappointed by the first episode. I was thinking, I really hope this isn't the, the, the point where Gary's thought, I might just <laughs> jump in and watch, see what all the fuss is about. Because I just thought you'll be sat there thinking, what a load of rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> um, thankfully, it did get better because um, they only did three, mm-hmm. uh, three, three episodes. But um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I was just wondering if you might have decided to just have a look and see what the fuss is about. But I'm kind of glad you didn't because it's not this was not the series to jump in on. Um, let's put it that way. Yeah, you should know me better than that by now. If I was going to watch it, it wouldn't be at that point, would it? It would be. Well, yeah. Series yeah. one, episode one. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. Just I, in case you were sat there flicking for the channels and thought, oh, that Sherlock's on that everybody's talking about. Maybe I'll just <laughs> have a look at it. Um, God, the, the episode one was so. Do you know what? I think it was written by Mark Gatiss. It was. Yeah. I was going to say it was so Moffat. But actually, no, it was Gators because yeah. it was just, it was one of those where it just lots of different timey, well, not time wimey, but they were jumping from location to location to story arc to story arc. And it was, oh, it's oh. such a mess. Yeah. yeah. I'm not surprised that it's only three episodes, though. I, I'm amazed how the BBC can still afford old uh, I know. Uh, Cumberbatch and um, uh, Martin Freeman. I, it's amazing how they, they've stayed. Yeah. You know, with the Beeb to do it, they must cost a fortune yeah they must do actually yeah. that's a good point they must be they must like doing it that's all i can say because mm. um otherwise i think they would just make their excuses I, well i will say this although i thought episode one was a mess i've got to tell you those guys the acting was absolutely phenomenal this series i will say that those two especially martin freeman actually he was he was unbelievable in this mm. series he was so good in it um it is a bit like we say about matt smith there was a lot of times i was watching it thinking guys you know he's really carrying this episode he's so good in it um but yeah so but this isn't a sherlock podcast so we should move. <laughs> yes we should move on shouldn't we uh we have got a couple of bits of merch to do so um i can hear the daleks uh going ballistic outside so um, i want to hear that yeah we should get we should edit in um you know the sound effect of the dalek door in the very early dalek story is that oh yeah do that yeah. So they, when they come in and get that on the front when I'll I've, just do it. Go on, you do it. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish. 
but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Right, some big finish um, announcements for the fourth Doctor adventures. Yeah, as part of the uh, this is part of the monthly range, isn't it? Or is it not? No, they do. Yeah, you're right. They do one a month. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the fourth Doctor has been rocking and rolling since uh, uh, the first in series six was released this month, which was the Beast of something, the Beast of Kravenos. That's the one. <laughs> uh, which came out this month. And uh, uh, old BF have given us uh, the titles for the next few months uh, worth of stories featuring mm. the fourth Doctor. And they all sound... One thing I do love about the majority of Big Finish is the titles, or are mm. the titles, should I say. Uh, so the Beast of Kravenos. And I'll tell you, the cover art for that is awesome as well. They're doing good on the cover art, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, it's a guy called Anthony Lamb. Yeah. Um, who's uh, yeah, who's killing it with the cover at the minute? Um, hey, I've just noticed that Jago and Lightfoot are in that one. I didn't know that they are indeed. Wow! So this is yet another something else oh. to add to the list of pickups. But anyway, uh, hopefully most of you guys will be enjoying this one so far. Next month, February, uh, the Eternal Battle, hmm. um, which is uh, a tenner on CD as usual, nine quid on audio, uh, digital. Uh, in March. The Silent Scream. Wow. And in April, um, Death Res. Death Res. Which is a World War II uh, based story, apparently. Okay. Um, but the Death Res, yeah, it's basically, a, a, I, I assume it's um, it's an alien race we don't know about yet because uh, uh, basically the, the crew, um, a, a large bunch of crew from a World War II submarine have disappeared um, and all they can hear is uh, strange noises from outside the submarine and so on. Um, mm. But one of the big questions is uh, is what or who are the Deathras? So that sounds very intriguing. It does. These all look good. I mean, this is mm. so this is Tom Baker and, and Lala Ward as Romana. Yes. Um, and they're, they're a great team, aren't they? I, li- I like those two together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we also have K-9. And K9, in, in yes, how could I forget K9? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is good. Um, I think, who's yeah. uh, K9? Yeah, so John Leeson's obviously back. Yeah. I can't believe we're already on series six of these. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Oh, it is crazy. Yeah. And I really want to catch up because I've got the first two, or have I got the first three? I've forgotten now. Um, series. Um, but either way, I'm, I'm now a couple of series behind, which is. Uh, is uh, more to find because I, I really enjoyed the uh, the ones I've got so far of the Tom Baker audios. That um, he's just so good on audio, as you'd expect. Mm. Um, but I haven't got any of the ones with uh, Lala Ward, um, and they were the ones I'm really looking forward to. So, yes, at some point, uh, and I'm sure you're the same. I'll catch up and get up to these because um, yeah. they do look great. I agree with you about the cover art; it looks really, really good. Mm. Yeah, um, actually, they've, they've they've announced some new short trips as well. Um, I saw, and the cover art on those, uh, I think they're download only, but they're really interesting. Um, I saw an Eighth Doctor one where it's got all these sort of splinters coming out and stuff. They look great. So, yeah, once again, big finish, knocking it out the park. Yes. Yes, right. Doctor Who Origami. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Doctor Who Origami book coming out um, very soon, actually. Let's have a look. June. When is the date? 1st of June. June, yep. June is it? Um, retail price twelve ninety nine. 
And uh, yes, this looks quite interesting. So you fold out your own models of the Doctor and the TARDIS. It says it's got um, 32 models to fold out and make, uh, and they include um, a terrifying weeping angel, it says, <laughs> a brilliant bow tie, a miniature canine, um, a moving time rotor, and all the doctors, and as I said, lots, lots more. So if you fancy, um, if you're into your origami... <laughs> Uh, this this is the book for you. Um, <laughs> we're laughing because the cover, the, the cover of the book has got um, the doctors that you get in it, so they're all folded out. And they're sort of a Dalek, which looks um, very interesting. Interesting, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but what we can't quite get over is, I mean, this all looks fine. If you enter Origami, this all looks fine. But what we can't quite get over is Tom Baker's face on the on the cover. Can we? I mean. Who is it? It's not Tom Baker, is it? It's not at all. It looks, um, well, I th- I think it looks quite feminine. I think it looks like a female version of Tom Baker. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and Colin doesn't fare much better. Colin, no, none of them look, well, Capaldi, yeah, I can see Capaldi in that face. Tennant, if I close one eye, one eye. I can see that's Tennant. Smith, not too bad. But yeah, Tom Baker and Colin, they've really <laughs> not got the face right on those at all. Yeah. Um, what is going on with the Dalek as well? It looks like he's been chopped in half. He does. And sort or he of... looks like he's got a bad back. A bad back, yeah. <laughs> it looks like he's gone to the chiropractor and is a bit... <laughs> yeah, and he's got a bit of a headache as well. He's got some spike sort of sticking out the top and he's looking a bit worse. He looks like a Dalek that's been sat on. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he looks like somebody spent hours making this lovely origami Dalek, and they put it down on the chair, and then Dad's come in, <laughs> plonked down to watch the TV, and and it's like, where's that? Where's that Dalek? Oh, and it's, you know, he's been crushed a bit. Yeah. But, like, oh, yeah. No, nuts. here he is. Here he is. <laughs> I'm sure but he's still. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if you're in, like as like Adam said, if you're into your origami, yeah. which I'm sure there's many people who are. <laughs> And uh, you're a Doctor Who fan. This could be the perfect marriage. It could be, yeah. I see some of the comments. I mean, a lot of people are just saying how awful the cover looks. But there are some comments. People saying, you know, um, just added this to my wish list. Uh, this, when is this out? I need it. A hundred exclamation marks. And so, yeah, there are there is a market out there for it. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, Doctor Who <laughs> Origami, June first. Yeah, look nice next to the Doctor Who cookbook, won't it? Indeed, yes. Right, it's going to do for merch. Mm. Adam, my good fellow, I would do this in a French accent or try and do it in fluent French, but that would be a disaster. Let's just pretend the TARDIS is translating. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Let's just pretend that it's doing it for us. Adam, my good friend, what are we going to review this week? This week, 10th Doctor's story, it's the girl in the fireplace. The clock on the mantle is broken. It is time. Doctor! Doctor! There are creatures. I don't even think they're human. We can't stop them. There is a man coming to Versailles. He has watched over me my whole life and he will not desert me tonight. What are you talking about? What man? The only man, save you, I have ever loved. I need to find out what they're looking for. There's only one way I can do that. You are inside my mind. A spaceship from the 51st century stalking a woman from the 18th. The monsters and the doctor. It seems you cannot have one without the other. You are merely the nightmare of my childhood. And if my nightmare can return to plague me, then rest assured, so will yours. 
So what it was. <laughs> Pretty Sorry? good trailer, actually. That is a good trailer, yeah. No, I like the little whisper at the end. So will yours. Oh, I didn't hear that. Perhaps it's a death about my ears can't be. I didn't hear him say that. She. She says She. Yeah. Oh, yes. So will yours. Yeah. Madame de Pompadour. Mm. <laughs> you sound oh. like Poirot. <laughs> Madame, you are the murderer. <laughs> the girl in the fireplace uh, was broadcast on the 6th of May. 2006. Wow. Over 10 years old, yeah. Oh. As part of series two, and it was episode four in Mm. said series, it was written by the Mothball. Yeah. And it was directed by Eurus Lin. Well, that name rings a bell. I think we've, yeah. He directed quite a few of the early modern stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It says uh, here it's the Moffat's only um, story for series two as well, which I hadn't realised. It is. It's the only one he did, yeah. Yep. Obviously overseen by RTD Mm-mm. and Julie Gardner. Uh, story is uh, as follows. Uh, the Doctor, Rose and Mickey. Uh, Mickey. Mickey. Um, land on a uh, spaceship that seems... Um, sort of desolate, no life forms, etc. And they find out that they've, uh, uh, there's a, there's time windows, um, which link through from the year that they're in, which I think is the year oh, 20, no 50, 50 something, isn't it? Which, which one, the one on the spaceship, the one on the spaceship. Yeah. It's like really far into the future, but there's a time window that goes back to the year 17, 20 something, something. or other. Yeah. Yeah. 1727. That's one. And um, as the Doctor sort of peering through um, the the fireplace from the title, uh, there's a young girl in there who turns out to be uh, Renee, who publicly facing... Renee. Turns out to... uh, Is known as uh, Madame de Pompadour. Um, But um, as we find out very early on, as he sort of stops talking to her, goes back to Mickey and Rose, then goes back to her, uh, time has uh, progressed much faster so he sees her again and it's like months and months later and then sees her again and she's a young woman and so on Uh, and it turns out that the um the spaceship was desolate because um it broke down and the service bots or service droids whatever the the best way that they could repair the ship was to actually kill the crew and use their organs as spare parts. Um, but there was one vital piece missing, which is the brain of the ship. So they, uh, they, they use a huge amount of energy as a doctor puts it to make this link back to this year, this time window. And they're just waiting and waiting for Madame de Pompadour to become of a certain age where her brain is apparently complete. Then they can lop the head off, take the brain out, complete the ship job done. Yeah, quite uh, dark actually when you look at it that way, isn't it? All these, you know, like when they see the heart beating in the ship and all that, it's all quite, it's quite, quite dark. It is quite dark. Mm. Yes. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of that's a story, and there's a bit of romance along the way. The Doctor and, and Renee, they kind of uh, have a, there's an attraction there. Mm. And, uh, from, she, the, from the get go, isn't mm, it? And she falls, she falls hard for the Doctor. She uh, mm. declares her love for him. At least a couple of times, I think, in this episode, and the doctor is obviously yeah. very happy, happy to uh, to go along with that. 
because uh, I think the first time he sees her as as the young woman, the grown up Renee, he kind of she sort of knocks him off his feet. He can't believe how how beautiful she is, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a bit of romance. as a, a slightly yeah, like you say, a bit of a dark story sometimes. Um, a little bit of humour in there as well. It's not um, yeah, it's uh, uh, I might as well go first thing as I'm chatting about it. But the I would say this is a this is a great story. Mm-hmm. A really great story um, from series two. It's uh, it's it's one that it's got a really good mix of different elements for Doctor Who. It's got that sort of intrigue at the beginning when they land on the spaceship, and you know, you know, it's one of those cool Doctor Who stories where we sort of we, we pick up with those guys as they land, and and uh, there's none of this. Um, you have to think too hard. You sort of land. And then we get nicely taken along with the story. We don't have to think too much. Um, so it's got that intrigue, you know, to kick off, you know, a Doctor Who episode. Then we have, like I said, a bit of romance. There's a bit of humour in there from Mickey and and the Doctor himself. There's a hilarious scene where he's playing a very, very good drunken um, oh, yeah. Doctor. <laughs> um, there's a bit of sadness as well. It is very, very sad at the end. It's, uh, yep. you know. Um, and it's just a really, really good watch. It's a really great watch and when i say it's got a mix of different elements it's also got a mix of your of how you view the episode as well so Mm. it's um it's not one that you have to concentrate massively from start to finish but at the same time it's not one that you can just sort of get carried away and have your phone out and so on you do have to sort of be into the story but i really like it i think it's a really Mm. good episode What, what about you yeah um, I absolutely love this episode. Um, I, I've always loved it from from the first time I watched it. Um, I've watched it a few times since. Uh, watched it again yesterday, um, and I still love it. And it's not one that ever fades. You know, sometimes um, by a sort of fourth or fifth watch, you're sort of thinking that's no, not as good as I remember. No, I really, really enjoyed this one. I think it's got everything. Right. It's got fun. Um, it's got adventure. It's got humour. It's got romance. It's got a dark side. It just everything's thrown in there but it works brilliantly hmm. um i think it's yeah i think it's one of my it was probably one of my favorites from series two uh definitely actually one of my favorites of series two um yeah i really really like it um i love the fact we've got rose and mickey together um with the doctor i think it makes it more fun because you know uh it, rather than just being rose and the doctor solving it all <clears throat> it's quite nice to have them you know three people giving a bit more of a, a dynamic rather than having rose moping mm-hmm. over the doctor all the time although she does get very jealous in this but it's it's more humorous than annoying i think i think it's quite funny the way she's just you know sidelined a bit um no there, there's uh, really really good uh there are two slight niggles with it which i'll come into <laughs> as we go through the review but they they really are only minor i think it's um i think it's a superb episode yeah um yeah. yes i would absolutely agree it's uh i think from a story but i mean the moth really we've said this a couple of times before haven't we that a a couple of the moth episodes that he wrote for rtd have actually been very very good Mm. and yeah yeah they were i mean the stories mm. are under the rtd era are are his best i think almost without Mm. a doubt yeah i'd say so yeah Uh, this being one of them Mm. yeah and uh it's it's almost like you're watching somebody else who's who's writing for who because if you look at some of the some of his own episodes that he's wrote while being showrunner versus an episode like this 
It's mm. almost like they're two different people. Yeah. It's, um, you know, if you weren't, say if you were watching this for the first time and you weren't told that it was a Moff episode, I'd find it quite difficult to, to pin this story on the Moff writing it if I didn't know beforehand. Yeah, I had very similar thoughts, actually. Mm. And um, the reason I say that is because when we get to the very end and we get the, the, the TARDIS dematerializes and we see the, the painting of Madame de Pompadour um, and then we see the name of the ship and there's the whole, you know, so then it becomes the final twist is the ship was called, um, what was it, RSS Pompadour. So it was her name, basically. So yeah. that's the whole reason that they were after because we don't really find out to the very last shot um and i just thought well that's that's just fantastic because it's just tied everything up now that's just brought the story full circle you know and mm-hmm. i just you know perfectly and that's something the moth very rarely does <laughs> so when we got to that final shot i was thinking the same thing i was thinking this doesn't feel like a moffat story because it's actually um coherent but it actually everything's more or less tied up and everything makes sense mm-hmm. and it's pretty straightforward and I could follow it. Yeah. So it, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like the Stephen Moffat that we get now at mm. all. Yeah. No, I agree. And, um, there's also, they're quite nicely rounded stories. These mm. Moff ones from, you know, the RTD era, uh, there aren't any, mind you, you know, uh, blink, that went slightly timey-wimey, but that was yeah, a very little... easily understandable timey-wimey, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the the, um, the most complicated I think he got under RTD Zero was the second part of um, the li- what's the second science and library, and what's the second part called? Oh, Forest of the... No, Dead, no. Forest of... Yeah, it was... Uh... But the second, Whatever, you always yeah. think, I always, always <laughs> want to call it the silence of the library, but of course the center as well. But the second part of that gets very, I mean, it's, it's still, it's still coherent. You can still follow it, but that's probably the most sort of bizarre he got. Cause mm-hmm. there's all that bit with Donna keep jumping back and forgetting. And, you know, there's a lot of back and forth in that episode. So you can, I can totally see that that is a Moffat script. Um, but it still made sense. <laughs> Whereas now he tends to go off on tangents and it almost seems like he forgets things, you know, story threads just get left or, or unanswered. And um, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't know if we can put this down to Russell, Russell. I think Russell probably get, may, may have given a slight outline for this possibly. Um, I think he wanted yeah. a romantic story or whatever. Um, and the Moffat's run with it. Um, it does bring me on to one of the slight, and it is a, only a minor negative, is that I didn't realise that the Moff had stolen a lot of ideas from a book called The Time Traveller's Wife. Um, I didn't realise yeah. that. So yeah. that that's sort of knocks it down a little bit for me because the Moff does that a lot. Um, he does, you know, but, yeah. But then again, then again, I'm thinking, well, some of the other stories I love in classic Doctor Who are, um, let's say, inspired in brackets by, you know, if you look at the brain of Morbius, Frankenstein, you know, oh, so course, do, yeah. do yeah. I, you know, so, so I'll give him a bit of slack there, but the, but, but I didn't realize until very recently that it was, uh, very much inspired by that. And I thought, no, oh, that's a bit, bit of a shame. Cause it is such a great concept. Um, you know, and I, I love all the stuff that's going on in this story. So it just, I don't know, I felt a little bit cheated when I found out that he didn't necessarily, you know, come up with this whole concept originally, but 
but uh, as I said, it's only a minor gripe because everything that's going on in there is is fantastic. I I love the surrealness of them, you know, finding all these bits on the spaceship that just take them straight into the room, you know, like the bit with the window when they just flips around and they're in the in the room with uh, with them and stuff like that. It, it just works really well because you know it's the same set, but you you still there's a surrealness about it, like with mm-hmm. him stepping into the fireplace and being in a totally different place and. And uh, and I like the bit where he's hiding behind the wall um, as well. Oh, yeah. Tenant seems really almost like, uh, you know, like um, not childlike, but like a teenager sort of thing in that point. He's really sort of charming, you know, um, the way he's trying to hide behind the, the wall and stuff. So, yeah, I love all that. Love all the stuff that's going on with them just jumping from point to point and, yeah. uh, from, from the spaceship. And then, you know, and I, this is the, something the Moff used to do quite a lot is he will throw in surprises. I think he used to sort of sometimes think, right, what could we do now that would just be a complete what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So like when the doctor goes back on the spaceship and there's a horse there, you know, so the Moff used to do little things like that, which I think were fun because you'd be like, what? <laughs> what on earth? You know, so yeah, I like all that. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say about the Moff borrowing from um, other stories, in this case, The Time Traveller's Wife. I'm, th- I'm sure there was a movie. There was. I've seen it, but I don't remember it. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it kind of um, that's the thing, especially with sci-fi, though. And I I remember back to when one of our listeners sent in a review. I think uh, you remember, you know, Ian from France. Yeah. And I'm not going to try and do his um, his black country accent, but you know, he did say that like some of the best sci-fi pilfers from other sci-fi. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a natural thing, and you know, so. and that is a valid point. Um, and, um, you know, it, but there is a line, you know, and sometimes I think it's okay when it's in, in sort of two areas. One, if you're sort of paying homage to something, then, then that can be okay if it's done correctly. Mm. Like in some episodes of Who, we've had some alien references and, yeah. you know, some well, concepts. Well, that was some off, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. But And also if it's done, if it's done where you've taken like an idea from something and then you've built upon it. So you've taken, you know, the, the core sort of concept from another film or a mm. book or something and you've used that and then you've, as inspiration almost, and then you've built something very cool on top of that. You know, it can be quite good. But I think there, there is a point and, you know, fans, especially of sci-fi, are not stupid. So if there's a story like this where it potentially does sort of rip straight from that story mm. and just plants it in there, that can sort of come off as a bit, Oh, you know, it's a bit of a cop out. Mm. You know, I can understand if you use that idea as inspiration, but then did your own thing. But they, you know, I, been... I can't remember how close to it is because, as I said, I've seen the film, but I, I can't remember it at all. So I might be doing the moffin injustice here. It might just be that there are tiny similarities. I think the thing is, it it only irks me because the moth does it a lot. You know, like you said, I think it's, it's it's perfectly fine to take inspiration and ideas from from things because we all do that. Um, but I think it's just because a lot of the moth stuff is very blatant. You know, yes. I mean, like the yeah. alien thing and that. You know, and even even the the superhero thing. He said, you know, I'm just basically doing what they did with uh, Superman in the 70s and 80s. You know, so he is very blatant about the stuff that he does borrow a lot from other people's work. And I think that's the only reason it really. Um, sort of takes the edge off slightly for me because I didn't realise that this this was, you know, um, inspired by something else. But I can't take away from him that it is a fantastic script. 
Um, it's oh, yeah. funny. Yeah. It's it's got yeah. It, you know everything that's in there is really good. I can't fault the script from him at all. Yeah, and it's well. That that's what's difficult about it, isn't it? Because on one hand, like I'm saying, you've got this whole thing where it's like, oh, you've just ripped it off and mm. and all that. But on the other hand, you've got yeah, but it's a fantastic episode, and it's got some great bits in it. And and it, I, I must admit, it's. I very I vaguely remember the film Time Traveller's Wife. I, I saw it a long time ago, whenever it shortly after it came out, and I can't remember a great deal. Now, I remember as as far as story goes, it is very very similar, very very similar is in it? terms of its I concept. Just, I can't remember. Yeah, the concept anyway. It's very similar. Um, is it a complete direct rip off? I wouldn't say so. Um, no, but it, it's just very similar. But. Um, if it was one of those episodes where the pacing wasn't very good and the dialogue wasn't great and the characters were a bit annoying and all that sort of stuff, then you could easily just, you know, just slap a sticker on the moth once more and say, you know, fail, hashtag fail. <laughs> yeah. But it is a very good story to watch. So it you kind that's... of forgive, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've just thought of another thing that was um, was definitely put in as a, a you know inspired by something else but works really really well and i'm sure you must have spotted this is the um the eye that sees mickey is is, is like the one in uh return of the jedi yeah. that comes out of jabba's palace and then that's a nice little uh, i can never say the word right homage homage homage, homage to that yeah. isn't it so that's blatant but it's done very you know on purpose isn't it so you know that that's yeah. that's what he's getting at but i loved that bit when mickey's looking at that eye <laughs> and it's following him and i like the fact we get that shot um, of Mickey's face from the eye's point of view as well. It's a really nice, you know, yep. little moment in, yep. in the story. Um, I've got to say, while I remember as well, uh, Euros Lin direction, really good in this story. Like the, just little moments like that. There are bits when the uh, Clockwork soldiers come in the room and we get a camera almost just sort of, um, and it doesn't zoom in, but it does like a sort of jump oh, yeah. into yep. the room. And I just thought that's really good. That's really effective. So uh, Euros Lin I thought did a great job with the direction on this. Very good. Uh, and really I, brings I, the story to life. Yes, absolutely. And I thought that as I was watching some of the other episodes in series two, the direction is really nice in some, mm. in, in some episodes. Really good. Um, okay. In terms of, in terms of just sticking with the story, just a little bit longer. Um, what did you think to the whole doctor getting romantically, not involved, but you know, there's a there's definitely a, a romantic side to to this story because he there's almost like I wouldn't say it's like love at first sight, but there's an instant attraction, isn't there, between the Doctor and and Renee? Not when she's a girl, obviously that'd be a bit that'd <laughs> no. be a bit weird. Um, but there's um, you know when he goes back through the fireplace and then she's a grown woman mm. and she uh, I, I really like the fact that. That the, the moth wrote her that she, she refers to him as an imaginary friend that yeah. you know that you know is not supposed to visit you again when you're a grown woman kind of thing. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. But when he first sees her as a grown woman, she's instantly like, well, you know, wow, you know. Mm. And then when the doctor sees her, he's like, his socks are blown off. <laughs> yeah, his yeah. reaction is just amazing. <laughs> he's like all over the place. He doesn't know what to. Mm. He doesn't know where to look. He doesn't know what to say. So he there's turns that to jelly, doesn't he? He does, yeah, which is cool. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but I know that a lot of fans complain about the whole Rose and the Doctor thing, 
and the romantic side and you know mm. should the doctor should he have those feelings you know should he have should he be romantically linked with anybody and should you know should that be a part of the story and all and not necessarily with the companion but with anybody and then we go on to that whole thing about he's half human half all that rubbish Ooh. but but i think mm. you know it mm. it's an interesting concept when they bring it up in certain stories because this one it does play on your heartstrings a little bit because the doctor's obviously got an attraction because because of that first reaction that we see which david tennant plays brilliantly yeah and the second one is that he's almost he almost doesn't hesitate at all in telling her to pack a bag and off we go yeah and the yeah. doctor very rarely you know literally let alone doesn't allow anybody on the tardis let alone invites you know them to travel mm. so what do you what do you make to the romantic side of it because it does for for me personally, I don't mind it at all in this episode because I think that the Doctor's feelings towards her and her feelings towards him are completely genuine and quite mm. nice to to see. No, I I have to say um, this is one of those instances where I think it really works for right. me personally. I don't have a problem with it at all. Um, I just I liken it back to you know the Aztecs where the Doctor you know immediately. You know, starts chatting up that woman in, in the Aztecs, isn't it? The first Doctor. So you know, we know it happens. We know the Doctor's got these urges, and I think because of the way it's played out between uh, David Tennant and Sophie Miles, I think they do such a great job. There is definite chemistry there mm. that it really works for me. I don't have a problem with it at all. It, I mean, there are other times and other stories where, like you said, it's it's just so forced and and it's just blatantly irritating. But the, but in this story, it works for me. Um, yeah, maybe that's because Sophie Miles and David Tennant were having a very similar <laughs> reaction to each other uh, off screen because they, they, yeah. they dated for a while, didn't they? So, yeah. um, so there is great chemistry between the two, um, and they sizzle together, don't they? They, mm. they? You can you can sense the you know the attraction between the two of them. Um, I absolutely love the scene where the Doctor has to go inside her head and then she starts reading his mind mm -hmm. that performance between the two of them is is just played brilliantly i was going to say yeah. spectacular but it's it's so subtle that it's not spectacular but it's it's such a great performance between the two mm -hmm. um in that scene it's almost quite moving as well i found myself getting a little bit emotional watching that i don't know why i was just like just i just thought the performance between the two of them was fantastic and you know all the way through but particularly in that that scene where she's sort of, he's like saying, how are you reading, how are you knowing, where are you reading that? In my mind, she's like, you know, a door once opened can be walked through both ways or whatever. And all that. Right. I thought, this, this yeah. is great stuff, you know, really good stuff. And I think, isn't that the point where she calls him the doctor as well? And yes, he, he that's can't it. can't figure it out. Is that, when did you start calling me the doctor? That's it. Such yeah. a good scene. Brilliant. I love it, yeah. And that, it, it seems like that in the episode that, it really just makes it it makes the whole episode all about the doctor and renee it's it's basically a love story isn't it it's a kind yeah, of, it is yeah and yeah. i think that was russell t davies intention to to do a sort of he really wanted to do a um a sort of isolated nice little love story for the doctor that shows his emotional side and you know, he can have attractions to people and stuff like that, but it's not going to affect, you know, the entire series. It's just a nice little, um, a nice little 
insert into the series to show that the Doctor's got a softer side and he can fall for somebody and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this was moved um, moved up the schedule as well because I think it was this story was supposed to go in as the second episode. And then I think when RTD saw the script, he was a bit like, oh, this is much more complex than <laughs> I expected. I think it was just supposed to be like a love story. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, the moth is anything but conventional. So I think um, according to you know, what I've read online and stuff. Yeah. RTD thought this is much more complex. I think we'll move <laughs> this further down uh, to episode four. Um, and I have to say on paper, um, this script must have seen quite complicated. I think when, you know, you can imagine getting this thinking, how on earth are we going to film this? So mm-hmm. they walk for a fireplace from a spaceship, you know, and the horse comes crashing through the window. God, this is like a technical nightmare. You know, you can see why they would have, would have, um, yeah. panicked about getting mm-hmm. this made which is um why it's fantastic that they did such a great job i mean it turned out really well um so it could have been a it could have been a disaster i think you know mm. if they if they hadn't have, if the direction hadn't been right um if the music hadn't been right i mean the music plays such a amazing part in this episode it is glorious i think mm. it's one of murray's best it's really good um, yeah it's 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 beautiful the, the music in this it's almost got like a child's um sort of um jewelry box kind of feel to it you know yeah or like a woman's jewelry box you know when you hear the little the little um the little bits bits of music played on and whatever it is a little metal i know yeah a little music box yeah, yeah music box thing yeah so it's really it's lovely it's a it's a it's a really just a lovely episode to watch yeah, as I said, it's just the whole production, they just managed to do such a good job on it um, in what was probably quite, in some ways, difficult script to, to realise on screen, I mm-hmm. think. They did an amazing job, everybody, yeah. Yeah, and they kept it simple as well, which is good. They didn't mm. do a lot of um, jumping in the TARDIS and going off and materialising somewhere else and back again and and all yeah. that stuff because the, the idea of these time windows, so the fireplace is one of them and then a big series of windows is another one and the mirror is another one and that's really cool yeah it is yeah yeah so story-wise then it's it's relatively simple i mean it, like you say on paper it potentially would sound complicated to somebody to so from a production point yeah, of view, yeah. but in, in actual fact watching the episode it's quite simplistic it's just a love story and, mm. you know it's um with sort of little bits thrown in i mean there was let's talk about some characters let's talk about the the clockwork people yeah, yeah. So they were sort of decked out in the the really old school French um, uh, uh, attire and the masks that they wear. I think it was one of the very first episodes, actually, where my son was a bit freaked out by Doctor Who. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say monster, but you know, a, a, um, a, a one of the uh, the darker characters. Yeah, not not a goodie should i say and uh, cuz they do look quite freaky the masks that they wear it's like these really old french style jester sort of masks yeah or, or, i think they look fantastic they look really they're actually really freaky they, really they creepy look, yeah and there was one scene where it every time i watch it, it still makes me jump it's where the doctor looks under the bed oh yeah and then one of the you know they've got those little blades and cogs that come out of their hand mm. the, you know the little knife and stuff mm. It sort of juts out really quickly, and then along with sort of the musical blast as well, it it makes the the doctor jump, and he sort of, you know, he 
bounds back out onto the bed. That really freaks me out every time I watch it. It's, yeah, uh, I think the good thing, the thing is about that is because he's the head, the shadow of the head is already there. So you're expecting someone to jump out of the darkness, but you don't realize that actually what you're looking at is the clockwork soldier's yeah. head, which is why it works so well. It's because when it does move, you're like, oh my God, is that, it, that is it. Yeah, it's great. And did you like the design of the clockwork? So when they take the mask and the wig off. Oh, it's brilliant. It's so cool. And it, we're, we're kind of, if, if you're into that kind of thing, we're almost sort of mirroring the doctor's reaction because he's like, oh, you are beautiful. You know, he's kind of really, he loves the, the design and so on. And the prop guys did a really good job of that because all the cogs move. You can hear the little cogs moving around and little pieces and stuff. I really yeah, like they- the design. Yeah. Yeah, I think they look great. Like you said, the innards that you can see moving, the sound effect of the cogs, the doctor's reaction to the to them because he he's just like wow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again comes back to the production values of this episode. Um, they look brilliant. I mean, they look great with the mask, and they look just as good when they reveal the actual clockwork mm-hmm. um, heads inside. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, a great sort of um, a great sort of Doctor Who villain. Yeah, that doesn't really require much uh, exposition. It's just they're there because they're the the service droids, robots, whatever you want to call them, off the ship. Mm. That's their only function. It's not a no evil intent or anything. They just want to get the ship repaired. Yeah, I like that because although they're really scary and they're doing all this, they're about to chop people up and that. Um, I like the fact that, like you said, it's not for an evil purpose they think they're doing a good thing they're just there to mend the spaceship and whatever and mm-hmm. so yeah that's what i really like about it is, is that they're they are scary and and to an extent evil but they've also they're just programmed they're just doing what they were designed to do so yeah. that's quite nice yeah let's talk about um who should we talk about next let's talk about mm, mickey and rose because they don't have mm the hugest of parts in this do they i mean they're in it throughout but they do take a back seat to the doctor and renee's story yeah they definitely do and they so this is mickey's first proper um adventure you know in the tardis isn't it yeah because this picks up from well the episode before was school reunion and rose wasn't too happy about him joining if I remember <laughs> rightly. That's right. But that seems to have all, t- I don't know if time's passed between now and then, because they seem to be getting on really quite well at this, in this episode. Well, here's There's the thing. A lot of, yeah. Mm. So, um, the, the mothball did say that, uh, he wrote this and had not, he not even seen school reunion yet. Ah. So he wasn't aware of the ending of school reunion with Rose sort of being a bit funny with Mickey about joining the crew. Right. So he was, he was unaware, which is why um, Rose isn't sort of being funny with Mickey, uh, you know, and she's sort of okay with it. So it's just, I think it's just a logistical thing. The moth hadn't read or seen anything to do with this episode yet. So he, so he just wrote it as everyone being cool. I'm quite pleased about that though, because I, I like Rose and Mickey in this because they just seem to be having fun and, and, and getting on. I think it would have been, yeah, it would have been, wouldn't have been as good if they were sort of having this, this awkwardness, you know, mm-hmm. as well. Cause we've got enough going on with the doctor and, and Renee to, to, you know, 
to keep the story going so it didn't need anything else but yeah they do get a bit sidelined but they are nice in it um in terms of their performance i think um they seem to be going along with it and having fun and they get into their own little scrapes it's enough <laughs> to fill in the rest of the story if you like hmm. yeah yeah and i think that's that's the key thing with mickey and rose mm. is that they're not they, they never overtake the, the main story they just sort of pop up to provide a little bit of i mean it does provide a very funny scene so when they get captured by the mechanical the clockwork robots yeah. and they're about to be killed and their organs harvested and so on the doctor turns up absolutely wasted you know mm -hmm. he's got his tie around his head he's got these cool shades on and he's he's playing the drunken the drunken doctor just really well Really, yeah, he well. does. It's really funny. He's got these strange sunglasses on as well, isn't he? And that tie, the tie around his head. And, yeah, 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 yeah. It's really good. Really cool. It's so, a nice, nice, fun scene. That. Yeah, and I would say that's the. I mean, because we have the. It, it kind of plays into the the very classic Doctor Who thing of don't wander off, you know, don't go off anywhere, which yeah, they well, obviously he did tell do. them not to, didn't he? He did, yeah, which is cool, yeah. uh, and they obviously do. And that's it, really. I mean, we have a bit of Rose popping up saying, are you okay? You know, why Why her? And not as mm. in why is the Doctor fancied her, but why did the robots pick her and, and all that stuff? But that's she, quite an interesting scene, isn't it? Because, like, the, Renee says, well, why didn't the Doctor, why couldn't he come himself and tell me? You know, it's quite interesting that he sends Rose to, to try and explain what's yeah. happening mm. rather than go himself. Um we don't really find out the reason for that. I'm just assuming it's because the doctor's trying to find a solution and he's a bit busy. Because <laughs> when we go back to him, he's, he's found that window, isn't he? And he's like, well, you know, I need to go through here, but if I do, it's going to, you know, it's going to seal off the ship. I won't be able to get back and all that. So I'm just assuming he was a bit tied up at that point. But it it also gives Rose a little bit more to do as well, doesn't it, that scene? Yes. Um, it's quite nice yeah. as well because there's a genuine, although Rose is clearly jealous of her, um, you can tell that Rose is, is trying to do a good thing. And it's actually, um, you know, Renee that's being quite spiky towards Rose at that point, isn't it? Um, she's yeah. like, she calls a child, I think. Child or whatever. And <laughs> so that's, that's quite a nice little scene, I think, in its own, own it way. Is. Yeah. Yeah. So Rose and Mickey, like I said, they don't have a huge amount to do. I mean, because even when they've got the big um, fire extinguisher type cannons oh you know, yeah, yeah it's the doctor that snatches it off and uses it so they don't really do you know a, a great deal apart from get captured and get rescued mm -hmm. um but you know they're cool because rose is not annoying in it like she can be no no she's quite she's actually looks quite concerned for the doctor and his feelings especially at the end um and mickey's just good old mickey i would say yeah yeah they well, had a bit of like comical relief um hmm. i do feel sorry for them at the end this brings me on to the the other thing that i it's just such a slight niggle that could have been so easily um amended in the episode i the, the doctor crashes through the window so yes. he's trapped with with um renee which is good because he's kind of just like i'm going to take the slow path with you and you <laughs> kind of feel that that's sometimes what the doctor would like to do you know you sometimes feel like he would just like to just settle down and live a normal life that's been you know hinted at in other episodes so <laughs> that's all good and well i like that but what I don't like is that he's very blasé about the fact that he's just left Mickey and and uh, Rose trapped on the spaceship. He's because he's almost laughing at one point, isn't he, when they're having the drink? And I'm just thinking, 
that's a little bit cold because they're just stuck up there and you're thinking there's absolutely no way back. Um, and all it needed was one line. You know, it just needed them off to write in something along the lines of, well, I'm going to take the slow path and all that, that lovely speech. But, you know, I will have to try and somehow get back to back right, to my friends right. or something, because it does that scene at the end where they're looking at the stars. It's a beautiful scene between the doctor and Rene. Mm -hmm. But it does seem slightly cold of the Doctor that he's just willing to just stop in that time zone and completely abandon Mickey and Rose. Um, and that's the that's the one tiny part of the story I don't really like. Is he, he almost seems a little bit selfish in that that one moment because he's he's just quite prepared, isn't he, to just to 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 live with Renee and and get on with things. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, they very quickly say, "Well, oh, yes, but I've got this fireplace, and oh, it's all good again." But I just wish there was a line in there that just showed that the doctor, you know, was thinking about them or was thinking, "Well, you know, I can't really leave them up there. Or what am I going to, you know, something?" It just needed a line in there because to, to me, it seems like the doctor's just like, oh, "Hey, he's having a drink, and yeah. he's got the girl, and oh well." You know, it seems a little bit cold towards Mickey and Rose. It's the only bit I don't really like in the story, and it's such a tiny bit, but it does irk me every time I get to that end scene. Yeah, mm -hmm. I see what you mean. I see exactly what you mean. It, it, he he does very quickly forget about good old Rose and and Mickey stranded yeah. up on the yeah. on a thing, but then you know, he's he's fo he followed his heart for a minute. Yeah, yeah, I can totally, yeah, 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 and I get that. I like, you know, I like the fact <laughs> that he's just decided that he's just going to live a normal life now. And I just, yeah, I just wanted a line in there, of just him acknowledging that he's left them up in space. Because when he does get back to them, he says, how long did you wait? And they're like, five hours. He's like, yeah, always wait five hours <laughs> or something. Which kind of suggests that he was always thinking, I'll, you know, sort this out. But it, it's not enough for me. I wanted something else in there because right, I just right. feel a bit sorry for them. You know, being abandoned. Although I'm sure Rose would have, you know, at some point got into the TARDIS and probably opened up the vortex or something. But you know, something it's like still that. A bit, yeah. It's still a bit um, harsh, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I should correct myself really and say that he followed his hearts. Oh yeah, yeah. He does actually make a uh, a reference to that doesn't he uh, in this story? He says something about count them, both of them, or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are some great lines in this mm. actually. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention before we get on to the Doctor and Renee as characters is the scene where he jumps through the mirror on the horse. Yeah. What a shame they didn't have more money to to make that look a bit better because it works. You can it does work. You can you it know you can just see about works. Yeah. Limey, it's very rough around the edges. It is. Um, um, they talked about that on, do you remember good old Doctor Who Confidential? I do. I remember this bit. Yeah. Yep. I particularly remember them saying that when they read that in the script, they were just like, oh my God, how on earth are we going to do this? Um, and it was a nightmare for them. Mm. Um, they did the best they could, but yeah, it's a bit ropey um, uh, yeah. at times. Yeah. So, I mean, there's two, well, there's three things going on because you've got the mirror shattering. So you need that as an effect. Yeah, you've got the horse with a stunt double with David Tennant's oh, head superimposed on oh, that, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it just um, you can you can. I mean, it's it's the one thing that it's very difficult to say that you've. It's the one disappointing effect in the thing because mm. they had just not enough money. You've only got a finite amount of money to get this stuff done. 
So yeah. I think they did the best they could do. I mean, I think the original plan was to do it all as a complete special effect where they would have had, um, you know, a, a CG horse, you know, and a, a CG doctor with David's head still put on and they would have been able to sort of mix it into the environment a bit better and, and all that stuff. But it's, yeah, it's a real shame. It, 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 it doesn't really sort of detract from your enjoyment of the, of the moment <laughs> of the episode, mm. like the, the doctor literally riding in on a, on a horse to save the day. It doesn't take you out of that, you know, that feeling, but it, you know, it, it does look very, <laughs> very basic. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's a shame in an episode that otherwise looks so great in production. It is the one bit that does stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Renee then, Madame de Pompadour. Mm. Uh, Sophia great, Miles. Great actress in this. She's fantastic. Very yeah, good. I think I called her Sophie Miles. It's Sophia, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> Sophia Miles. Yeah, wonderful. Fantastic performance. Um, she looks the part. She acts it really well. She's great with Tennant. They, they're brilliant together. Um, I can't fault her. I really like her as well, even when she's being a bit spiky <laughs> and a little bit thing. Um, she's just really strong. Like at the end, when she's saying to the droids, you know, you, you know, I will. I'm refuse to go to your world or whatever. She's mm -hmm. really standing up for herself and yeah. holds her own, if you like. Um, yeah, I think she does a great performance. I really like her in it. Mm, she's strong. She's very strong. strong everyone, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's the chemistry with Tennant that I like the most. It's um, Yeah, me too. That's just, yeah. That I mean, like you say, it probably did help that they had, as actors, you know, as people, they had a very strong, you know, attraction to it. So that did help a lot. Mm. And uh, and that definitely translates on screen. You can tell that they're very into each other, yeah, um, which really helps. So I just I just really love her scenes with 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 Tennant. Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah, it's great, and it's a sad ending for her as well because she died quite young. I mean, I think she, uh, I think the moth. I think it was actually Russell T Davis did look into the actual character of Madame de Pompadour, the, the, the actual yeah. character. She did die young, like forty odd. Mm. So it's quite a sad ending for them. And it's sad that the doctor misses it as well, because that just those few seconds where he dives back behind the fireplace and tells Mickey and Rose to get in the TARDIS, we're off and, and all that. Literally a mere map. It's not even a minute in screen time. Uh, he's back and she's gone. Yeah. Very it's heartbreaking sad. that yeah. actually, because like you said, he's so excited, isn't he? That he's, you know, he saved the day and he's got the girl and yes, we're going to go off now and have some fun. Mm. And, uh, and then he goes back and, uh, she's, yeah, she's, she's dead. Um, uh, that actually does give that other guy, don't know the actor's name. Um, you know, the guy she's going to marry. Oh, the King, uh, Hen uh, Henry, the, no, King Louis, the 15th. Yeah, yeah. It does give him a chance to do a bit of good acting because he's been a bit, He's been okay up till now, but he hasn't really got much meat on the bones, if you like. <laughs> Whereas he's really good in that end scene because yeah. he's he's just like you can see he's just broken and he's and I really like it when he gives the doctor a letter and he's like, "What did she say?" And did, <laughs> I don't think the tenant says a word. He doesn't. Does he? You know, so no. he just puts it away. And the, I like the fact he's like quite right. Yeah. And all that. I don't know. It just works for me. I just thought, yeah, I really like this performance. This is this is all this is all coming together and it's all quite heartbreaking and mm. and uh, yeah. Well yeah, well here's the thing. So she was never going to marry him because he was ma he was married to the Queen of France obviously. Mm. So she was always the only thing that she was ever going to be was his mistress. 
Yeah. So it, and, but the, because they obviously didn't have enough time or they, you know, obviously didn't want to go into too much detail behind it, but the real Madame de Pompadour actually held quite a high sort of position of power mm. within the, the, the monarchy at the time. And, um, so I think he sort of respected her as a strong woman who knew her stuff and obviously really liked her <laughs> clearly. Yeah. And yeah. you can tell that. So the, yeah, it is good. The, the actors, um, uh, Ben Turner, the actor's name and he um yeah that last scene he does really play that well sort of that yeah, joint I, heartbreak with the doctor but you know she didn't leave him a letter well no there you go <laughs> yeah yeah and it's also very sad when when the doctor reads it by himself so the doc so mickey can sense that he wants a bit you know he just wants a few minutes so they're off and then when he's reading it and sophia miles you can hear her voice over the top Sort of, that's another little string being pulled there. Yeah. The doctor's obviously cut up about it, and it's all good stuff. It's it is. I mean, that leads us on to David Tennant, doesn't it? Um, that end scene. I mean, he's brilliant throughout this. I think <laughs> I'm sure you'll agree. He's superb throughout this. Yes. Um, he does do smouldering heartbreak <laughs> acting particularly well. Um, but especially in this episode. I mean, that when he gets the note and he stood at the console, and I've always liked that line. Um, when she says, are you all right? And he's like, I'm always all right. And it's all in his face. He almost looks like he's on the verge of crying. Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah. great stuff for a tenant. I mean, he's, he's just acting his socks off and it's, it's all comes together brilliantly. Yeah. Like Murray's music. Fantastic. The shot of the fireplace on the screen going out. It's all over tenants face Mickey and Rose, you know, again, this is why I like having them both on the TARDIS in the story knowing that they need to leave the do give the doctor a moment they go off and do their thing the shot of the spaceship with her name on it's just ah oh, it's brilliant the way everything just comes together at the end yeah it's, it's, yeah. it's so well done and i like the kind of double ending as well because when mm. the tardis dematerializes and you see the portrait of her yeah and then it fades to black and you kind of think well that's that's it that's it but then mm. we see the outside of the ship and it's the ss madame the yeah it's it all kind of yes, gets tied up doesn't it it's brilliant yeah it yeah. is i mean when that episode finished yesterday i was just like oh, just fell in love with it all over again i yeah. was like, so good and but you know i can't you can't take away from tenant that he's just so good in it oh, you yeah. know he's really reveling in this story He's amazing. He's, he's on fire. He is. He's like, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And bearing in mind, this was only his, you know, only episode number four yeah. in his run yeah. here. So, um, you know, like we've said so many times, all of the actors that have been cast as the Doctor seem to, they seem to have, you know, whoever's involved in the casting for the, for the Doctor, they've always found someone that doesn't need a big warm-up period. They've always sort of hit the ground running and they've been amazing, but... Even in like the early part of an actor's first series as the Doctor, when they're sort of figuring out, you know, their little quirks and what they want to include as the character, Tennant just seems to have, I don't know, he just seems to have got everything down straight away. And you're right, yeah. his acting his socks off is just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's totally, because sometimes he's not, it doesn't feel doctorish enough to me sometimes, Tennant. Mm -hmm. But, but um, as it, again, the more we watch his stories, the more he does, and especially in this story, I feel like he's, yeah. yeah, he's 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 rolling with it. He's totally hitting hitting the mark. He's on, yeah, he's on the money. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to mention, buddy? Before we get on to scores. 
No, I don't think so. No, no, I think we've covered it. Right, let's do it. I believe it is my turn to go first. Okay. And I'm going to give this a nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Yes. Okay. Well, I am giving this episode <laughs> also a nine out of ten. <laughs> really? Snap. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it. And just that bit of music you just played. God, I love Murray's music. God, I love it in this story. Oh, I'm have to go and listen to the soundtrack. Murray Gold oh, stuff in series. Fantastic in this episode. Yep. Murray Gold's music from series one to four yeah. is some of the best in Who. Yeah. Yes. But I think particularly this story. Mm. So good. Anyway, yeah, nine out of ten. It's got everything for me, this one. Fun, adventure, comedy, romance, the lot. The it's, lot. It's, yep. it's an absolute little gem. Absolutely. It is the whole package. Mm. What did our fabulous listeners finish? Uh, think finish? Well, I hope they did finish it. Otherwise, it's an incomplete score. What did our fabulous listeners think of this one? Let's go to Twitter first. Ben Lett, the host productions. Uh, short and simple. Ooh, love this one. Um, Neil uh, at Brighter Moon says, one of my favourites. And Roxanne, Roxanne J10 says, definitely in my top 10 of New Who. Loved it. Mm. Yes. Uh, over on Facebook, uh, Ollie Tanner says, um, it was all right. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it was really good. <laughs> uh, Tenant was amazing. It's my favourite Doctor. So energetic and funny in this story without being yeah. silly and losing the serious element to the story. Uh, the Clockwork Robots were scary, simple villains, which are great. Rose and Mickey were awesome as always. Um, I liked Madame de Pompadour. I thought the actress gave a great performance. Uh, the acting was great from everybody, really. I thought the scenes between Rose and Renee were good as they showed more about how everything that was going on that affected Renee. Uh, the plot was interesting, but not too complicated, and the time windows are well explained. I liked how the Doctor stopped the clockwork robots, and the ending was sad when the Doctor came back to find she had died. A really great episode, 9 out of 10. Another 9 out of 10, yeah. Great. Miles McKenzie. Uh, it's probably one of the first episodes you'd show to a new fan. Mm. Uh, it's got all the elements of Doctor Who, very well written. Uh, David was probably at one of his all-time best in this, as well as uh, Billy and Noel. Renee was a nicely welcomed character, and I cannot stop loving the horse. Even the horse was a key <laughs> plot point, and there was uh, not just there for comedy. Yeah. Uh, the droids were creepy, and I remember seeing them creepily dancing in Doctor Who Live back in 2010. Hmm. Um, they, they're well-written background, too. Uh, overall, um, they're just plain and creepy, uh, but genius at the same time, and they're one of my favourite monsters. Um, he gives this a 9.5. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Callum MacArthur. I love this episode. One of my absolute favorites. Favorites. Madame de Pomodoro was amazing. The Clockwork Robots um, is a simple but scary villain. Uh, mm. The trio we get in this episode is one of the best. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, yes. Yes. Uh, Neil Monday says one of the best episodes of Tenant's Reign and of New Who. The story is beautiful um, and the period design of the episode is fantastic. Um, Madame de Pompadour, Sophia Miles is a wonderfully active character and it's the chemistry with Tennant that makes their scenes very memorable. It's in my top three episodes of all time. I love it. Nine out of ten with a loud Alonzi. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Sammy Satine. So, 
A spaceship is uh, stalking Madame de Pompadour. Its clockwork robot crew seem to think that she has the right brain to be their spaceship's computer. Luckily, the Doctor is here to fix the clockwork. Uh, she loves the clockwork robots. They look gorgeous. They're also sinister and creepy. Um, she loves Madame de Pompadour, feels sorry for her being the focus of the clockwork robots. And at the end, we find out she died young, terribly sad. Uh, Sophia Miles is excellent. Um, one of the very few female characters the Moff has written well. Mm. Uh, it's great seeing Mickey again. I like the banana joke and the horse. Slightly disturbed by the fact that the final scene where the Doctor finds the fireplace again uh, with Madame de Pompadour's help, it looks like because of the way it's shot that perhaps she is taking him to her bedroom in order to dance with him horizontally. <laughs> if you catch my drift. Uh, Rose is good. David is excellent as per usual. Another 10 out of 10. Yes. Yes. Uh, let's see. Lewis Palmer. Over the years, this has got one... Uh, this has got a lot of love from people, and to be honest, uh, I've never understood why. Uh, it's certainly well written and is by no means bad, but I do find myself, uh, I do find it massively overrated. Uh, there are some good moments, though. The music is top notch. The actress playing Madame de Pompadour is really, really good. And the scene where the doctor jumps through the glass on a horse is just awesome. The clockwork droids are also so creepy as well. I remember being terrified as a kid whenever I heard ticking for years after watching this. So yeah, it's it's actually quite good. It's not one that I would stick up for on for fun and put on a best episode ranking. So 6.5. That's the first comment where it's been even remotely yes. negative. And that's strange because normally me and Lewis, we're on the same page. Ooh. Shocking, Lewis. Shocking. Shocking. Um, <laughs> we've had one audio clip in. This is from the always funny Mr. Jay Kent. Hey, Gary and Adam. Hope you're doing all good. Now, Girl in the Fireplace, easily my favourite episode from The Tenth Doctor. Everything makes this so incredibly lovely, from the aesthetic of pre-revolutionary France to the soundtrack. I love that. Love it. My favourite piece of music. Of course, the clockwork drawings were incredible and creepy, and the ones used in Deep Breath don't even come near the ones in this. And, of course, the love story between Madame de Pompadour and the Doctor. Usually, I hate romance between between the Doctor and someone else, but uh, there's just something about how it's done here. It's a bittersweet relationship, and the ending of it all really hammers home how sad it is. The whole episode is felt like a fairy tale, and it was beautiful. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. I'll see you next time, guys, and keep up the good clock work. Clock, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jay. <laughs> oh, Jay. He sounds like he's had to sneak into a cupboard to record that. Yeah. It's like, I've just got to... I'll be back in a minute. I've just got a recorder. Oh, God. It's very... Yeah. And he's back. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. It's always but good to hear you. Another nine out of ten. <laughs> uh, right. Last few on Facebook. Jamie Ackerley says... Uh, without the time to whiz back and watch this again, I remember it so well that I probably don't need to. It was a delight. Uh, it was. It has a sweetness and gentle humour to that uh, that is completely endearing. The clockwork droids are beautiful when unmasked and really quite terrifying with their deranged, sneering faces covering up their inner workings. Mm-hmm. I said by another, this story really benefits from a lack of smuggery from the two leads. Noel Clark adds a much more balanced dynamic to the crew. The timey-wimey-miney shenanigans is actually used to enhance the story rather than being a plot, uh, a ploy to leap around everywhere at any second's notice to cover up gaping holes, um, which is a telling more of recent stories. Um, the delicately observed coda unveiling the name of the spaceship neatly parallels the well-meaning nanogenes from the Doctor Dances. Mm. Very interesting. It's a triumph. Yeah. 
uh, if he remembers correctly, uh, 8.5. You do remember correctly. You do, yes. And it's very interesting. I think a lot of Doctor Who fans would agree with you, Jamie, about the whole timey-wiminess of the last few years of a lot of the Moffat stories has been used just as sort of plot fillers to leap around and fill holes and so on. So it's yeah. good. Uh, Joe Sweeney, uh, this episode is a masterpiece, probably one of the Moffat's greatest hits. Uh, story <laughs> plot and acting were great. Clockwork robots were good. Tenant at his best. Billy and Noel were great. Sophia Miles, fantastic. And the ending was a bit sad, but a great episode overall. Another nine out of ten. Uh, Joseph Howarth, put simply, it's one of my favourites from Tennant's time as the Doctor. Uh, the clockwork droids are very creepy and probably one of Moffat's best creations. And the whole concept of Doctor being Madame de Pompadour's imaginary friend is well executed and beautifully done. Uh, attention to detail is stunning because at times I really felt like I'd been transported into 18th, 18th century France. The Doctor was amazing in this. It's good to see Mickey again. I don't really mind Rose in this episode, mainly because she doesn't annoy me like uh, the other episodes of series two. Unlike some female characters that the mothball has written for Renee, um, seems like a real genuine historical figure and not some river song clone that we have had in the past year or so. Yeah. Then again, it does raise a question I have, which is this. If Stephen Moffat can come up with brilliant stories like The Empty Child, The Doctor Dances, Silence in the Library and Forest of the Night, Blink, The Eleventh Hour, and how come we haven't seen him write anything consistently good for who in the past few years we've had him as head show writer? Maybe he's burnt out. And he goes on to say, but I digress. It's a fantastic story. Very clever, funny at times, heartbreaking, especially at the end. Um, it's a it's a very rare that a story I review uh, gets this rating. But seeing as the girl in the fireplace is such a masterpiece of a story, I have to give it a 10 out of 10 brilliant yeah uh martin vincent mr bad wilf says another case of moffat borrowing in bracket end quote sorry <laughs> this is just the time traveler's wife oh no martin he's not happy yeah uh, jason bad, bad Th- mood bad wolf <laughs> <laughs> jason thayer says beautiful story i love the concept of the spaceship and the clockwork robots are magnificent one of the all-time greats and lastly jeff waddle says absolutely one of the best of the tenant era when moffat was clever and produced stunning Doctor Who stories. Um, the droids were a work of art, and the design of the palace was amazing. Throw in the great performances, and there's very little wrong. A nine out of ten from Jeff. Wow. Cheers, Jeff. Yeah. And lastly, uh, we got a message through from Adam Pink. He says, uh, one of Moffat's best work, uh, beautifully written with some great monsters and time travel plot. I can't help but notice he bases the 11th hour of this one slightly, the Doctor being a seven-year-old imaginary friend and then coming back for her much later when she is already an adult. Oh, yeah. uh, nice emotional story to show a new side to this Doctor. A seven out of ten. Brilliant. Cheers, Adam. Adam Pink there. No relation to Danny. Of course, as we would have not led you to believe in previous weeks. <laughs> Anything on the Geek's Handbag page? Yeah, yeah, I had a few on the old Geek's Handbag. So, Dean Jones, he says, I'll be honest, back in 2006, I wasn't that big a fan of the story but now that i'm older and somewhat wiser this is a great story terrific production values cool villains in the clockwork droids some of the more subtle music by murray gold and performances are solid across the board with some some fantastic work from david tennant and guest star sophia miles only real criticism i have is rose and mickey whilst they are good they don't contribute too much to the plot stephen moffat has been a frustrating figure in the last few years but stories like girl in the fireplace just prove how great he can be. And Dean's going to give this one 9 out of 10. Cool. 
Cool. Jason Howe says one of the best and most interesting of the tenth stories. The clockwork robots were so sinister looking, which added to the essence a real simple but effective story. He loves the final scene that explains the who logic of robots actions. Um, yeah, and Paul Plumager just commented underneath that saying, I love the Doctor's vulnerability after she dies really showed David Tennant's acting range. Right. Charlie Turner, if you remember my thoughts on the Green Death, I said it was overrated and still is, he says in brackets. I have the exact same thoughts for the girl in the fireplace. Some good moments, some bad moments. If I was to pick one to watch out of this one and the Green Death, I'd pick the Green Death any day, despite Ooh. the horrible green screenshots. To stick to classics, he gives it a five out of ten. Charlie, okay. not yep. a fan. Patrick Sherwood says, Hi, so this story, what do I think of it? Well, I love it very much. It's one of the most beautiful things I've seen in Doctor Who. I just love it. He's going to give it nine out of ten. Cool, thank you, Patrick. Martin Asquith, this is a classic. Great script, music, and plot were superb. Reveal at the end, Kevin Mullen says the girl in the fireplace is an anomaly in the second series as it features David Tennant and Billy Piper being not altogether annoying. And it is good to see Noel Clark join the team, providing some light relief in a quite bleak story. The script by Stephen Moffat is a joy featuring clever use of time travel that would become a hallmark of his writing. And the final twist where it's revealed exactly why the clockwork droids wanted to harvest Maman de Pompadour is amazing. And the last scene of the doctor reading Renette's letter to him is utterly heartbreaking production wise the story is faultless from direction set design costume and music it's getting the ultimate score of 10 out of 10 a pure unadulterated masterpiece says 10? kevin yeah 10 out of 10 uh stan gallagher simply says loved the baddies good episode he also says actually that he's just started watching class and he likes it okay fair play. Uh, chris <laughs> fair play chris brown one of my faves from the new era of who Di Cook says one of her favourites. And finally, Craig Stimson from the absolutely fantastic Prog to Who podcast <laughs> says, I find the clockwork robots a bit tiresome, but overall find the emotion behind the story and the time-shifting element of the story enjoyable. Hate the scene when Tennant pretends to be drunk, probably one of Moffat's most tender scripts emotionally. Craig, you don't like the drunk scene? <laughs> oh, um, what? We like that one, only because we, we both like wearing ties on our heads <laughs> when we're drunk. Yeah, Right, so a lot so, of love from everyone. Overall, pretty positive. One or two, one or two little bad wolf, bad moods. <laughs> well, <there. laughs> you can't please everyone, because if you no. were, were going to please everyone, you wouldn't write a Doctor Who story. That's it. But yeah, mostly positive. Yeah, I think the average score there would be a nine. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's probably one of the highest we've had, isn't it, yeah. so far? Yeah. I would say. So all around, this gets the rubber stamp essential. I, it, it's you know. possibly one of my favourite stories. Yeah, I don't know about you, but i definitely put it up there as one I, I could watch yes. over and over again. Yeah. Yes. Right, next week, we are going classic, <laughs> as we do. Uh, so next week, buddy. What are we going to do? What's our review? Come on, come on. Next week, it's the Curse of Peladon featuring <laughs> Elvis Century. It's the Curse of Peladon. It's third Doctor action next week. Fruffled shirts at the ready. Fruffled? Is that a word? Ruffly. Ruffled. That's Ruffled, the one. yeah. 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 So, girl, uh, girl in the Peladon. 
What did we call it earlier? The per the purse of <laughs> the, the, the purse, purse of, of Peladon. <laughs> yeah. The girl in the Peladon. This yeah. is going very wrong. Um yes, I can't wait for this because I haven't watched a third doctor story in ages. Oh, so I oh. cannot wait. I love the third doctor. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to a bit of Pertwee action next week. <laughs> Crikey. I, I am looking forward to watch this. I, yeah. So I just don't don't remember it at all. I say that every week, but I genuinely don't even remember this story, apart from the green thing with the big eye. Yeah. That's all I remember. I do remember it. I think I watched it oh, probably this time last year, I would say, something like that. It's been a while, but I do remember yeah. a bit more than you. You probably watched it when you were drunk or something, knowing you. I think I've watched it once. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to um, giving this a watch. Is he called Alpha Centuri or something, that thing? The thing with the green eye? Um, um, I see I'm going by memory now. I'm just Googling it. Uh, anyone listening will know. What's the thing called that looks like a giant? Yes, Alpha Centuri. <laughs> yeah, you stepped in at the right point there. Yeah, Alpha Centuri, yeah. He's got a very high voice, what I remember. Yeah, I think it was... Well, I think it was voiced by... A um, a, a woman. Is it? Oh, uh, right, okay. No, no, what was it? Hold on. Yeah, it was voiced yeah, by a woman. Yeah, be, yeah, yeah. So I can, yeah, that's why it's so high. It's <laughs> probably, uh, there's me assuming it's a, a male alien. It could be a, fe- it's a female alien. Oh, yes. Well, it could be. Could be both. Yeah. yeah. So we look forward to that next week. Next week. Yes. <laughs> and I th- <laughs> God, I think we're going to do there 424. 25. 25. Oh, man. So next week, 126, The Curse of Peladon. This week, and we're going to stop here before we get into even more rubbish, that's going to do for 125. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us and listening through episode one, two, five. Not one, two, four. That would be stupid. That would be madness. That would be timey-wimey. And irresponsible to our listeners <laughs> to go through that again. Thank you so much for sending in your reviews and your thoughts and everything on The Girl in the Fireplace. Uh, I think we pretty much all agree it's kind of essential viewing from modern Doctor Who. Or new who, if you want to call it that, N U W H O. Don't oh, don't get that old argument started again. Oh uh, yeah, let's not ignite that fire. Don't rake up old graves. Right. <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much. Look out for the post on Facebook and Twitter next week um, for the Curse of Peladon. Send in your audio clips if you'd be so bold. Just do it. Just grab your phone out. That's all you need these days. It's just your phone. You can record yeah. all this stuff on your phone. Saves it as a nice little clip. Email it over. Job done. Just sneak into a cupboard for two minutes. Well, yes. no, keep it under a minute. Keep it under a minute, please, yes. <laughs> In the meantime, head over to our website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.com. You can listen to all our previous episodes, and you can link off to all of the social stuff. And you can also link off to iTunes and give us a subscribe and a listen there. And if you are an iTunes listener, if you could give us a review, that would be amazing, because that really helps us heaps. Also, remember to check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Mm. Do a search for that on YouTube and also Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. Give him a like and a follow and a subscribe and all that jazz. 
you will first not new be- video out this be today when Spotify goes out my first video of 2017 oh nice go and check it out definitely check it out you will not be disappointed no you won't with the range of awesomeness of Adam's videos over on the Geek's Handbag very cool stuff Rightio, until then, enjoy watching the third Doctor story, The Press of Peladon. We we'll look forward to hearing your thoughts on that next week. In the meantime, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember. Oh, Mr. And remember. One more time, please, without that. Okay, right. And.